Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, only prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. John Adams will join us very shortly, so looking forward to that. And we've got uh, a lot to talk about, as you might imagine. As Wow. Um, we look back on the season, and we will talk about some of the dumb decisions that are out there. First of all, I ask you, Caleb Calhoun, how are you, sir? Pretty good. How are you doing, Dave? Never better. Battled a little bit of a cold yesterday, and I am good to go and ready for Alabama week. So a lot on the program as we will look forward to Alabama. Also, plan to be joined by uh, one of our good friends, columnist with uh, Gannett News Service, and Blake Topmeyer will join us later in the program. Can Tennessee win with just defense? I don't think that they can. I think they're going to have to score a few more points, so we shall discuss that. Also, seems like everybody wants to make a comparison with Joe Milton and somebody else. Um, we've heard the comparisons basically the same as Hendon Hooker. That came from Nick Saban. Also, we've heard that Joe Milton is Cam Newton at the uh, Knoxville Quarterback Club. I, I, I don't see him being any of those guys. Somebody I had to pick Newton. Also, James Pierce was named the co-defensive lineman of the week. Congratulations to him. Dee Williams, the co-special teams player of the week. And Brock Bowers' injury, what that means for the SEC East. It means more than any other tight end that I could possibly think of. And we'll have football IQ coming up every Tuesday. 
which talks about the dumbest coaching moves in, of the weekend, which aren't really difficult to come across. Uh, did you have any struggles whatsoever coming across coaching moves of the weekend? I had a few, Dave. I will say that, but it wasn't as bad as last weekend. I'm going to give coaches a break. It was uh, based on the standard of how dumb some of the decisions coaches genuinely make are. I don't think it was as bad as it was a week ago, but there were still some that really, really stood out. Okay. So, Here we go. Let's uh, get rolling with John Adams joining us now. And John, how are you, sir? I'm doing well, Dave. Thanks. I uh, appreciate that. And uh, we've got it uh, up and rolling as we're going to discuss first, right off the top, Urban Meyer and Nick Saban, are they just blatant liars or do they not pay attention? Uh, John, Nick Saban said that he doesn't see any differences between Joe Milton and Hendon Hooker. What are your thoughts? Well, they're both human. Uh, other than that, um, well, well, let's face it. I mean, we talk about uh, Caleb likes to bring out dumb coaching moves. What if we did a segment on coaching lies? All coaches lie. It's just part of the gig. They have to lie. They say great things about opponents. They say things that aren't true. They say things about their own players that aren't true. Go back to preseason when, ten when Tennessee, tra uh, the transfer, Oregon transfer, Dante Thornton, the wide receiver, was made out to be the second coming of Randy Moss. He can barely get on the field even when Tennessee loses its best receiver and Brew McCoy to injury. Uh, yeah, that's just the way the, the game is played. Uh, <laughs> that, that makes no sense. I mean, Joe Milton isn't Jared Gar Jared Garantano. Yeah, no. It, <laughs> wow. It let's get into that for 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 a second. Um, and I like how you reference uh, Dante Thornton. Um, he he does. Uh, he's more like Randy Drops instead of Randy Moss. Um, as far as Cam Newton, should we put those? Yeah, <laughs> yeah come on. <laughs> should we should we put those? comparisons aside because uh john i yes the two might line up and in a straight line be able to run this the same 40 time they might be very similar in arm strength and all that but i think people forget that uh, cam could throw the ball with a whole lot of touch cam newton probably had the most dominant season in sec history i've seen all the great quarterbacks dating back for 50 years. And that one season when Cam led Auburn to a national championship, he was phenomenal. He did everything. I can still remember him going out, splitting out wide to the right, go to the Wildcat package, catches a, catches a touchdown pass over two defenders. Just an amazing athlete. As you said, great touch. I remember in an SEC championship game against South Carolina, last play of the game, launches a Hail Mary. He flipped his wrist. 50 yards, boom, touchdown. Uh, no, that's just a really silly comparison. I don't know why anybody would say that. They're they're both tall. Nah, and well, let's remember, uh, Caleb, Urban Meyer has a lot of football to watch to be an analyst. Is he watching each and every game? Caleb, I doubt it very seriously. No, he's not. And to his credit, he said he's not watching as much Tennessee but he so he based this off of, of Joe Milton's size and things like that. But I still 
Urban Meyer did coach against – well, he didn't coach against Joe Milton because he was already gone by the time Joe Milton was at Michigan, if I'm not mistaken. But at the same time, he's familiar with Joe Milton because I'm sure he knew him on the recruiting trail from 2018. So I think Urban Meyer is just flat out lying on that. And, I mean, honestly, I, I think Nick Saban's lie was worse. I'll just tell you guys that right now. I think it was even more embarrassing because he is studying Joe Milton. Yep. Go ahead and get on board now. Hit that like and subscribe button. We greatly appreciate that. Talking Joe Milton, and it's brought to you by AndyMasonRealEstate.com. AndyMasonRealEstate.com, best prices, service in the biz, and it's not even close. That's AndyMasonRealEstate.com. Over 40 years of experience in his office, and he will take care of you. He has done so for me. Best realtor in the East Tennessee, no question about it. John, so where are we with, with Joe Milton? It has become readily apparent to me, as I reported a long time ago, that it is uh, Joe Milton's job to not only lose, but have to give away practically. And I don't see any change with Nico or anybody else out there. We had some people in the message board uh, asking, um, could Gaston Moore do the same thing that Joe Milton's doing now? I kind of giggled at first. But could he? Dave, he went 11 of 22 for 100 yards against Texas A&M. He threw a perfect interception to an A&M safety in the end zone when Tennessee was knocking on the door and trying to put the game away. He made two boneheaded plays on the sidelines once when he just ran out of bounds when a when a first down was hanging in the balance and he just drifted to the sideline almost as though there was a magnetic pull forcing him to go there. Uh, and then all of a sudden, at the last minute, he side, decides to throw the ball before he goes out, and he throws it to a player out of bounds. Then there was a play where Tennessee had a – the other team was obviously offsides. Fans have become attuned to that. Okay, they're offsides, free play. Uh, what does he do? He runs out of bounds. Uh, then there was bizarre play when he – had contact on the sideline is standing over defender. I don't know why he wasn't called for unsportsmanlike conduct. He was taunting the player. Quarterbacks don't do that stuff. Uh, wide receivers do, DBs do, but quarterbacks just don't do that kind of thing. Uh, I don't know how much worse he has to be for Tennessee not to make a change, unless maybe Nico's not what we were led to believe he is. May I say, Caleb, that I, I I said this, and I'm not trying to break my arm, pat myself on the back. It would take something massively huge. Maybe it was last week, but I don't think it was even that big for Joe Milton to lose this starting job. Maybe you can back me a little bit on that. I said that in the preseason, it would take something monstrous for Joe Milton to be replaced by uh, Nico. But it, it, I'll ask you the question. I mean, could could Gaston Moore do the same thing that Joe Milton's doing right now? Yes, he could. And again, this goes back to my biggest criticism of Heupel's talent evaluation to ever think Joe Milton was better than Hendon Hooker. And John, that's where I wanted to get with you was what was dumber Urban Meyer comparing Joe Milton to Cam Newton or Nick Saban saying Joe Milton is no different from Hendon Hooker when Nick Saban's watching Joe Milton. No, Nick Saban clearly wins the dumb contest, but you got to keep in mind, what are these coaches trying to accomplish there? I mean, Urban Meyer's not a coach right now. Maybe he's trying to, uh, uh, I don't know, just be a nice guy or something, being complimentary at, uh, before Tennessee crowd. Who knows what? But 
how could how you could seriously say that is beyond me. But for Nick Saban to do it, but Caleb, you know how coaches are getting ready to play a game. I, I mean, they lavish praise on every opposing player. I remember one time I listened to Vince Dooley press conference. I was in Athens, Georgia, and Georgia was getting ready to play an FCS opponent. Not a good FCS opponent, a bad FCS opponent. And he honestly made that he made that team sound like uh, the New England Patriots at their highest peak in dynasty days. Uh, that's just what a lot of coaches do, and apparently that's what Nick Saban's doing. He's going old school with lavish the opponent with praise, and I don't know what that accomplishes, but good for him. Like, like if he said something critical, that would fire up Tennessee, like if he told the truth. Well, you don't have to criticize. Just don't lie. Just say they play great defense and they can move the ball on the ground and they're a threat. But you don't have to sit there and say Joe Milton is the same as Hinden Hooker. And again, I'll let, and Dave, you've covered football. So the, it, this goes back to Josh Heupel starting Joe Milton over Hinden Hooker two years ago. Are coaches seeing something in Joe Milton that we as fans just know is not true? <laughs> is there like some coach love with Joe Milton? <laughs> John, along those lines, I think it's pretty simple now. The guy's probably a really good practice player. But when the lights come on, he he's a different guy, uh, reactionary and upstairs. Yeah, I've I've heard that Joe Milton does fine in practice, uh, does well in, in, yeah, you know, preparation and those kind of things. But let's face it. I mean, the best players answer the bell. They they raised their game. Of course, I mean, Tom Brady was the very best at that. But I don't see – what I don't understand about Joe Milton, and it goes back to two years ago, one of the most flagrantly bad decisions I've ever seen on a football field was when he ran out of bounds against Ole Miss on the last play of the game. I mean, you got, you're got you losing. you got to just chunk it in the end zone, hope for an interference call, hope for the best. But just the lack of field awareness, and maybe maybe that doesn't show up in practice. But I rack my brain. sorry, John. I rack my brain a little bit because Caleb asked me uh, about a week ago: Is there a player that was better in practice than he was in games? And one I came up with was Brent Schaefer, who was as good as Eric Ainge, perhaps in practice at times, especially with his athletic ability. But he he was he was not nearly as good in games as he was in practice. He was really good with a baseball bat as he was uh, approaching uh, other college students. John, hey now, <laughs> uh, yeah, he could uh, not a big guy, but he could hit the long ball, so to speak. Chicks uh, love the long ball. <laughs> Except they also love Derek Jeter, who's the most overrated player ever and couldn't hit the long ball, but different story. You will shut your mouth right Ooh, now. That's oh, a permanent band material there, isn't it, Dave? I know, I know where you live. I will be at your house by the end of the day. All right. He's not a top five Yankee of all time. He, he does a nice commercial, though. He does. All right. James Pierce named uh, co-defensive lineman of the week. D. Williams named co-special teams player of the week. That leads us to today's tough question and today's tough question is right now today's tough question take a side take a stand the dave hooker show a presentation of off the hook sports.com 
basically the halfway mark. You got to buy behind you. You got a tough road to hoe. So I'm going to ask today's tough question as this, and it's pretty easy. Who has the biggest impact on all of Tennessee's football team for the remainder of the season? And I'm going to go first because I'm going to go ahead and tell you it's James Pierce. And here's my reasoning behind that. I think he's got two strip sacks in him at least. I think he is a phenomenal player that's been compared to Leonard, Leonard Little and former players like Spencer Riley and uh, F- Fred White have backed me on that. I think he is uh, the guy that Tennessee leans on to win games that perhaps they shouldn't, uh, which would be an Alabama or a Georgia, and close out the season, the second half, winning games that they should going away. So I think of all the players out there, it'll be James Pierce. I would have said Brew McCoy before he got hurt. So, John, we know that uh, Pierce wins co-defensive player of the week awards uh, by the SEC, D. Williams, uh, which they refuse to play on offense, uh, co-special teams player of the award. Who has the biggest impact in terms of wins and losses for the remainder of the season? And if you want to, you can even go negative in that Joe Milton might not play well in a game and cost them one or two losses. So what say you, John? Then I'll go to you, Caleb. I thought you were going to compare James Pierce to uh, Cam Newton. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'll go with the player that I think's had the most impact on the first half of the season. And that to me is Cooper Mays. Uh, the difference in Tennessee's run game and its overall offensive line play with Cooper Mays is honestly pretty stunning. Tennessee just ran for 232 yards against one of the best run defenses in the country. Alabama couldn't run the ball against Texas A&M. Nobody else has, really, that Miami threw the ball spectacularly against the Aggies. But uh, Cooper Mays, the difference he makes uh, is just, you know, I guess I'm playing to – I'm playing to your show because he's a he's a member of your team here, but I just think the difference Cooper Mays makes is a, is tremendous. Uh, and Mays I here hit like and subscribe. Thank you, Pete. <laughs> I will do that as soon as I get off the show. I think uh, you can do it now. Oh, okay, uh, James James Pierce. So he plays like somebody that should be playing at Alabama, Georgia. This is kind of he's the kind of player that Tennessee is accustomed to playing deep defense against them that just absolutely wrecks their offense. So yeah, he's a terrific player, and 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 I can certainly see why you would single him out. All right, Caleb, how about you? Who has the biggest impact in the second half of the season? I should have gone Cooper because he said this for me. Cooper Mays here. Hit like and subscribe. Thanks, Coop. What do you got there, Caleb? Well, I want to contra- I, I want to like, you know, for my OCD purposes, and since we mentioned him, I want to say D Williams, but I just can't because they're not going to use them all in offense. And how many times are you going to get a chance to run one back for a touchdown? So between James Pierce and Cooper Mays, I got to side with John, Dave. It's Cooper Mays because I don't think I, I, I got to be honest. I thought Tennessee's run game was highly overrated heading into the Texas A&M game because Cooper Mays had played one game and 
before that, the only team that was legitimate with any legitimate run defense they played was Florida, and they got stuffed. So the question was, can their run defense play well, or can their run game, excuse me, can their run offense play well against a good run defense when Cooper Mays is in the game? And they showed me they could. And they showed me this is a legit run game. I don't think they get – they don't win that game on Saturday without Cooper Mays. And there, there's no debating that. Mostly because one of the things that was missed in the Texas A&M game was they didn't actually score on a lot of possessions. Obviously, they only had one offensive touchdown. And really, only the offense only scored 10 points legitimately. The other 10 were set up by turnovers and a punt return. But – they stayed on the field a lot of times and they moved the ball. And that was a huge help to the defense in stopping the run a lot of times. So I'm going Cooper Mays. So guys, let me throw this out there. If it, And maybe I should have gone uh, Cooper because I don't think Tennessee beats uh, A&M without Cooper, to be real honest with you. So uh, who's third? Where's who's, if it's not Cooper, if it's not, uh, James Pierce, who's who's right behind that? I would have to say most impactful is Joe Milton, but I don't mean it in a positive way. Um, that's a good question. I think there's a drop off there. I think Omari Thomas is playing well on defense. Uh, I might kind of lean toward him because it's not just James Pierce. I mean, the overall surge in that line, and you saw it against Texas A and M. Uh, Max Johnson, Texas A&M quarterback, who I give a lot of credit, uh, as I did Spencer Rattler, for simply surviving a Saturday uh, in Neyland Stadium with that rush. Just overall surge. I I think Omari Thomas is a really good player, so I might go with him offensively. Maybe Jalen Wright. I I think Jalen Wright is now making plays. I I mean, I thought of him as a solid SEC running back, but now I see him as more than that. I saw him as a guy who could get what the what the defense gave gave him, what his offensive line gave him. But now he's making plays, he's breaking tackles, he's got really good running instincts. So I really raised my opinion of him, and so either one of those guys, I guess, would be my pick. Yeah, and to the message board, Travis says team fell apart without Cooper. That's true. I, if I could change my vote, it'd probably be that. And look at this. I never thought we'd see this. Kamal Haddon gets a vote. That I mean, we were absolutely beating him up, and suddenly he's become one of the better cornerbacks in the league. Is that too strong? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. You're not a Kamal Haddon fan, John. No, I mean, I just don't think he's one of the better cornerbacks in the league. He's playing better, but I don't. I wouldn't uh, consider him one of the better cornerbacks in the league. A lot of good cornerbacks in this league. I think it, also, it, does, it, it does reflect what a pass rush can do for your secondary. Yep, it does absolutely. And we also have to be. We have to take one of the things we have to do. Cooper Mays' play was more impressive than the pass rush last week because we have to remember. Um, Texas A&M has a right tackle, Chase Basantis, I think, who probably should just hang it up and never play football again the way he's looked the last two weeks. I mean, it's it's the worst play I've ever seen by a dolphin by a blindside tackle in the so history. So you're saying he could are you saying he couldn't start for South Carolina's offensive line? No, I don't think he could. I don't think he could. He was oh. horrible. You know what his PFF grade was on this over the weekend, John? No. 23. What? 23. You know what it was the weekend before? 17. That's on a scale to 100. I hope his family doesn't subscribe to that. 
Wow. Um, if John, let me ask you this. James Pierce will win more games for the balls than Joe Milton will lose more games for the balls. That's toughy. Thank you. Yeah, it's actually, I just think it's a really odd question. I, I don't think of it as being tough, just an odd question comparing a defensive player to the quarterback. Um, I think right now, after watching the AM game, I, I would say that he could, uh, that Joe Milton, if he plays the rest of the way, would lose more games than uh, James Pierce wins. It's time for what the H? What the? What was he thinking? Release the hounds. The Dave Hooker Show. Keep cool. A presentation of offthehooksports.com. What the H brought to you by our friends at City Heating and Air Conditioning, cityheatandair.com. Brock Bowers, give us the latest, Caleb, on his injury. What do we have with Brock Bowers, the tight end from Georgia? How long is he out as he was banged up on Saturday? So Brock Bowers is out for a few weeks is basically the official position, which is an, an official number, but he had a high ankle sprain and he had to have surgery. It was in the first half of, ten, of Georgia's 37 to 20 win over Vanderbilt. Um, even if it, so the recovery time is about four to six weeks, that's before he can get to be a hundred percent. But as we know, Brock Bowers or from the top, from the Tua Tagalavoya injury in 20, 19 that can be a nagging injury that slows you for the rest of the year too so well in the Ced cedric tillman last you know last year too was a high ankle injury he had the rope procedure whatever that's called boy that worked out real well and um when i john um i think brock bowers opens up an opportunity for tennessee to beat georgia that sounds insano, but I'm not 100% sold on Carson Beck. I think Brock Bowers was the guy you check down and you save a play with. And to say that a tight end could affect who wins the SEC East or SEC overall sounds insano, but Brock Bowers being out for an extended period of time and uh, quite possibly the Tennessee game, I think it's huge. That's a tight end. So what the H, but I think it holds some merit. You? Uh, has insano become a word? Did I miss that uh, grammatical it's, transition? It's big with it's it's big with the forty-five-year-old plus demographic. Okay, so it's like it's it's worse than just being insane. It's, yeah, yeah. You're, okay, you're okay. a whole another step. It's, okay, it's, I'll remember, it's I'll remember that. It's when you really insano is when you really affect society. Insane is just when you're hearing voices and you don't actually act it out. It's like when you say bizarre and then you move it up to bizarro. Yes. Okay. All right. What was the question? Oh, no. Brock Bowers. Uh, Brock Bowers, you can't just think of him, of him as a tight end. I mean, he he does everything. And he draws double coverage. He's a terrific blocker on the edge, which tight ends are supposed to be able to do. Has the best hands in the league. Can run. I hadn't seen anybody catch him yet. He runs like a wide receiver. If you put him in the backfield, he might be George's best running back. That's all that Georgia loses. Everything is built around him, and he is the player that opposing teams scheme for. I mean, Brock Bowers is is so impressive. I kind of wondered if maybe he said, I'll do the surgery on myself 
right here on the sidelines and fix this and come back and play in the second half. He's Superman. So does this – it gives Tennessee hope? You bet it does. It give, gives everybody hope on Georgia Georgia's schedule. Georgia can't afford to sleepwalk through a game like it did at Vanderbilt's construction site Saturday. He's He's got – you know, they've got to tighten things up and play every game as though that championship really is on the line because he's a big loss. It helps that Lad McConkey has returned to health at wide receiver. Without the two of them, they would be more vulnerable than ever. But that, that's a big loss, and it's a big loss for college football. I love watching that guy play. Great. Caleb? Um yeah, John, I would add that uh, before I ask you my question that I'll tell you both, I think the scariest part for Georgia about Brock Bowers getting hurt is it forces Mike Bobo to use his brain again. And that's going to be really rough. But <laughs> um, I will say, John, do you think that they could even – are we sure they're going to be undefeated even before they get to Tennessee? Like, you know, I whatever I know, whatever you think about Billy Napier in Florida, they're coming off a bye in two weeks. So will Georgia. That game's in Jacksonville. Then they have Missouri, and then they have Ole Miss. Without Brock Bowers, if they play down to any of those opponents, they could slip up, couldn't they? Certainly against Ole Miss. you got to keep in mind, Georgia's defense, this Georgia defense, is not last year's defense, and it's not the 2021 Georgia defense. Georgia is not as good at what – it doesn't have the running back depth or the overall talent at running back that it had in either years. And it doesn't have Stetson Bennett to make – just game-turning plays in the clutch time after time. And now it doesn't have Brock Bowers. I thought when you have a player like Brock Bowers on your bad days, on those off days, when you're kind of drowsy, wandering through those, all that construction going on at Vanderbilt Stadium, trying to not, hoping nothing falls on your head, when you're going through all that, you know you can depend on Brock Bowers. You certainly saw that again, the win over Auburn, a come-from-behind win over Auburn. This is this is a, a huge loss. Other than losing a quarterback, there's no bigger loss in college football to me. Did you hear the latest that Vanderbilt uh, did get a title sponsor for their stadium? It's going to be uh, the Lee Construction Stadium. I love that. I, I, <laughs> thought, they, I thought they might call it – you know, maybe instead of the, uh, you know, how, how Florida uh, became the swamp. I wonder if Vanderbilt Stadium could become the crane. It's very nice. It's very nice. So for those that don't know Vanderbilt refurbishing their stadium instead of blowing it up, which they should, and <laughs> the stadium uh, is undergoing construction during the season, which is usually frowned upon. You like to get that done before the season begins, but Good for good for Vanderbilt. You know, they've got a whole new way of going about things. Let's just let's just work on it. Maybe they could start wearing big orange construction caps instead of helmets, John. <laughs> yeah, wear wear those uh yellow construction helmets. Uh well, they are yellow and black, black or gold and black. So yeah, it just it, it's sort of it's an atmosphere killer. There's no doubt about that. Another atmosphere killer. Can you imagine uh, Ken Seals, Vanderbilt's quarterback, is trying to quiet the Georgia crowd there so he can call plays it's, uh, down yeah, there back, in the end zone? Back to Bowers. G. Smith says Bowers only accounts for 26% of, 26 of his passes. Don't drink the Kool-Aid. 
okay, I, I see that number, but 26% for a tight end is a lot, number one. Number two, he is also getting other people open by drawing extra attention, right? Yeah, he the whole receiving core uh, benefits from his, his very presence. And I will say that Georgia has another good tight end in Oscar Dell. He's a promising player. But he just can't do all the things that Brock Bowers can. Neither can any other tight end in college football. No. Well, I mean, Brock, Brock Bowers is a special talent. Sorry, Caleb. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. There's five stars for depth, but then there's special players that go beyond just your average five-star. Eric Berry wasn't just a five-star safety. He was a special safety, and there was no five-star safety that could just come in and replace him if he got hurt at Tennessee. And That's a really good that's a really good call. And you're talking about an Eric Berry who was honored the other day is that uh, he wasn't just, he wasn't just a safety. Uh, like Bowers isn't just a tight end. I mean, Eric Berry, I mean, you could have put him at running back. You, he could have played anywhere on the field. He, you could have put him at linebacker. He played cornerback, played quarterback in high school. He's the kind of guy that just impacts the game, no matter where he is. And one of the, Biggest collisions I've ever seen in college football was between him and Tim Tebow there in the swamp. But yeah, you're right. Those kind of players, though, they don't come along every year. Hey, John, I want to get off topic for a half second. Who is the best player that you've covered that was also he was he was a great player, but he was a great person because we discussed last week. Mine was Eric Berry. Um, he had to answer questions because he didn't really have a quarterback that that could do so in place for most of his career, and they weren't good. And he always came out there and he answered the questions. Uh, so that, but but you've covered the Steelers, you've covered other teams. Who is the best dude out there that was also a very very good player? Yeah, well, Eric Berry comes to mind. I mean, that's something I'd have to covered a lot of ground there, Dave. I've covered a lot of. Uh, a lot of players, but you know what? I'd go way back. Talk about going old school. I'll go beyond old school. I'll go uh, old school O, kind of like insane from insane O, okay? I'd go back to Archie Manning. Wow. Yeah, he did go he, back there, John. He took a lot. I've heard from a lot of New Orleans media. He took a lot of heat and always would stand and to talk to everybody after every Saints loss when it wasn't his fault that they were losing. I, I never, yeah, I can remember. I mean, keep in mind, he was a legend at Ole Miss. Uh, I mean, a legend. I mean, they named the, the speed limits are 18 miles per hour now on campus because of Archie Manning's number. Then he goes to New Orleans where he's expected to be saviors. There are no saviors for those saints. They, 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 were, they were too bad and too uh, conditioned to losing. So he actually made all pro one year and was offensive player of the year incredible achievement but as Caleb pointed out I've been in that locker room I mean it was almost like everybody else was gone it was after another Saints defeat never had a winning season when he played and there'd be little kids running around in the locker room and there were there was Archie Manning there at his cubicle talking to some guy who might be working for a student paper he and he never ever changed he was that way Loss after loss, game after game, season after season. And also, he's one of the best storytellers of any football players I've ever been around in the sense that he had a great memory for details. And one of my favorite conversations with him was talking about 
all the weird stuff that happened with the Saints. Uh, and he had a really good, he had a really good memory for that. So he kind of he really stands out. I know it's a completely different era, but he was uh, just a tremendous player and a great uh, a great person and a great person to have in your locker room. Interesting stuff. Uh, be sure to click that like button if you haven't subscribed yet. We need you to do so. Also, a uh, special announcement: if you would like to order the uh, I, my book, which uh, John's already read five times and absolutely loves it, uh, you can get autographed copies by the players involved, including Fred White now. Um, Billy Ratliff coming down the line, also autographed copies by maybe a guy who wore 27. We're working on that. So you can order autographed copies. It's never too early for the holidays because uh, I, I don't think we're going to have a ton of autographed copies. So go ahead and uh, do that. You can click on the link right below. So, John, changing gears on you a bit, it's time for just dumb coaching decisions, which we see. It's our football IQ segment, which is taking the internet by storm. Uh, John, I know you probably got a couple that you want to throw out there, but uh, we're going to get to those here momentarily, and we're going to discuss some really dumb coaching decisions, and uh, there are quite a few. Prime time, prime time. Makes the dumb list after this two minutes with John Adams off the hook sports. Sun, sand, and salt water. The beach is a very relaxing place. Unless you wear contacts. Ow! Open your eyes to the best the beach has to offer with LASIK vision correction from Campbell Cunningham Laser Center. Ah. Sports Treasures in North Knoxville is one of the South's largest sports cards and memorabilia dealers, featuring over 10 million sports cards from vintage to modern. Sports Treasures carries a full line of hobby boxes, singles, autographed memorabilia, Tennessee Vol collectibles, fan cave decorations, and so much more. See a museum full of collectibles at Sports Treasures, 4819 North Broadway in Fountain City, and Sports Treasures on Facebook. Sports Treasures, where the real sports fan goes to shop. Have you seen the latest TriStar Hats Co. product? TriStar Hats Co.? What's that? You know, those really cool hats, shirts, tumblers, and even license plates with three stars like the official Tennessee flag and stripes like the American flag. Pretty patriotic if you ask me. Ah, gotcha. Seen those. Those are cool. Where can I get them? Simple. TriStarHatsCo.com. And if you order now, there's 10% on any order $50 or more. Plus, use the promo code HOOKED. With the promo code HOOKED, you get 10% off. That's HOOKED. And don't forget free shipping with any order over 50 bucks. Stock up at TriStarHatsCo.com. That's TriStarHatsCo.com. There are plenty of wannabes out there, so make sure you go to TriStarHatsCo.com for the best quality and customer service. Will do, and I'll be sure to use the promo code HOOKED. That's HOOKED when I do to save an additional 10% off. TriStarHatsCo.com. TriStarHatsCo is a trademark of TriStar Hats Co. LLC. Any use without express written consent is prohibited. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. 
Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. A college football tradition like no other. Yes, sirree, boys and girls. Or the guy that just won't leave. Wow. That is sad the dave hooker show youtube apple spotify and the free off the hook sports app a presentation of off the hook sports back to dave hooker all right fill it in in the message board dumb coaching decisions it's our football iq segment as there are a lot of coaches that may be lacking a couple of points on our football iq segment as we look back on the weekend, John, any standout to you? Because Caleb loves pointing out when people look dumb. So we have plenty to go to, but I'll give you the first crack at this. Well, thanks. And, and Caleb does a really good job of fi- specific plays, specific boneheaded plays where everybody watching is going, what the H? Uh, Jimbo Fisher or maybe call him Dumbo Fisher now, just really (laughs) sticks out. He just really sticks out to me, not just because he's the most overpaid football coach in college history and not for just one blatantly awful decision he made Saturday against Tennessee, but the game was a continuation of the Alabama game as far as A&M is is concerned. A&M could have won both games. It could have beaten Alabama. It could have beaten Tennessee. Jimbo just seems so disengaged. It's kind of like, hey, I'm just a coach. What am I supposed to do about this? And maybe some of this is on Bobby Petrino, but how can you not make a greater effort to Anaya Smith to get Anaya Smith the ball? He's one of the premium playmakers in the country. Do a jet sweep, running five, putting in the back in the backfield in the Wildcat five times. Do anything, throw a bubble screen. It was almost, uh, I feel like Jimbo Fisher's instructions to quarterback Max Johnson, who I thought played a really tough game against all odds and with virtually no help, except for that right tackle that uh, that Caleb gave so much praise to. Uh, I, I just thought he could, it's as though Jimbo handed Max Johnson the football and said, Go get him, kid. See you after the game. Get yep. you a baby. Yep. Jimbo gets a... You suck. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Travis. That, that always makes me laugh, Dave. I know. It's it's hard to beat. And it's uh, right after the point where Bob Barker, rest his soul, fights Happy Gilmore. Which, yeah, you want a piece of me? I don't want a piece. I want all, the whole bit. <laughs> Bob Barker, by the way, did you know that he was a boxing champion in the Army? John, you were in the Army. Fortunately, I didn't have to box anybody. I got 
knocked just about knocked out by a pugil stick by a Texas Southern a nose tackle. But uh, a lot of people don't know. A lot of people don't know. John was a war hero. If not for John, we'd all be speaking English right now. No, you'd all be speaking Nebraska ease because the Cornhuskers would have invaded Kansas in my post at <laughs> Fort Riley. So. Where he was stationed. During during Vietnam, John was approximately 6,000 miles away. Uh, Mel Tucker says hi. Kirby Smart haircut, not a good decision. We've got a lot of people that are throwing it out there uh, as far as dumb coaching decisions. Our football IQ segment is brought to you by our friends at Harold Group Security Solutions, leadership experience, specialization, addressing problems through unique mission-specific mitigation techniques, making your children safer one school at a time, we're working with private schools, but we're going to get those public schools involved. Harold GRP, haroldgrp.com. Go to your school administrator. Say, I want my children to be safe with highly trained security individuals, and we'll get this done in public schools as well. Caleb, let's go football IQ. Who have you got? Who made the dumbest decision over the weekend? Well, uh, do you want me to start from the least dumb or from the dumbest? Because I could, the least dumb, not least dumb, but I kind of wanted to transition off John because Jimbo Fisher is on my list. We can do that. And Rocky Top T saying uh, worst, Rocky Top Tom saying worst dumb coaching decision all year, keeping Joe Milton at quarterback after it's clear he can't cut the cheese. I think cut the cheese means something else. Caleb? (laughs) Okay, so... Uh, John, I'm with you. Uh, now, there was one I almost considered, and it was, remember the fourth and two where Max Johnson tripped? And that was very reminiscent of the Arkansas run play where Clint Sterner tripped because yes. why would you call a stretch run play? Why wouldn't you just go straight up the middle or a play action or something? They call it a stretch running play to the left, which when you have the best edge rushers in the SEC, and you call – I couldn't figure that out. But Jimbo Fisher mainly made the list because – it's, it's almost halftime. Texas A&M is up 10 to 7. There's a minute 30 left in the half, and Texas A&M has all three timeouts left. Jimbo Fisher decides it's fourth down. I'm going to let the clock run all the way down, and then I'm going to just play for halftime and waste possession. I don't understand coaches not under- thinking possessions don't matter in college football. You that, suck, you jackass. <laughs> that's what I mean. He just seems disengaged, like – I really don't care. We'll, we'll just let that clock run. I got nothing for now. Yeah, totally a loss. Now, my other one, I wanted to know what you guys thought about this, but uh, I don't. I did not mind Dan Lanning going for the win at Washington late. I talked about it yesterday. I said, look, if you play percentages, if you're on the road in an environment like that, you have a better chance of converting that fourth and three than you do of winning in overtime. I do mind – him not going for the field goal at the end of the first half against Washington, Oregon and Washington. It was 22 to 18. Oregon was going to get the ball to start the second half. They were averaging five yards a carry. They get inside the red zone and they throw it four straight times, a la Butch Jones against Florida in 2017. And I thought, one, you got to run it once or twice. Two, you kick the field goal in that situation, knowing you're going to only be down by one and get the ball to start the second half. That was just next level done by Dan Lanning. Caleb, don't you think when coaches get caught up in a game where offense prevails and they just think, can't win with field goals, got to score a touchdown every chance we get. We And they just, they pretty much disavow any use of the field goal kicker. I have noticed that. And it seems to be a trend. I noticed it in the NFL as well. It just seems like they're passing 
on pretty easy three-point field goals instead of uh, they, they think they can get it further down the field and, and score touchdowns. I get it. I mean, you don't want to be in the red zone kicking field goals, but, I mean, three points is three points. Last I heard, whoever scores the most points wins. And possessions are possessions. You're getting the ball to start the second half, and if it's a game of touchdowns and you're only down, going to be down one after kicking this field goal, take the points in that situation. I think I think it's particularly at the end of the half, it's a momentum buster when you don't get anything out of a drive. It's a last-ditch drive, and so I agree with you. I would have kicked a field goal there, and then I've got the ball back, and that's you sell that to your team. Hey, we're, we've got the momentum. We've cut the lead to one. We're going to get the ball. Let's go get them. Exactly. Caleb, um, who, who else made some dumb coaching decisions? Wait, is that a that's crazy or a you suck? Oh, well, that's definitely. You suck. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's crazy, too. But, uh, yeah, crazy means that he just lost track of the game. The jackass one means he just didn't show off his higher intelligence. Could you could you change that? That's crazy, to That's insano. <laughs> yes, I can change it to that's insano. Okay. Captain Insano shows no mercy. Anybody? Anybody? Uh, I got it. Yeah, Captain Insano. That was from I can't remember the movie. Waterboy. Another Waterboy. That's right. All right, um, Captain Insano. Uh, John's uh, new perfectly. Nickname. As uh, John, I know you're from there. I feel like Waterboy is a great documentary on what life is like in Cajun, Louisiana. And <laughs> um, but that's uh, show. I'm sorry. That's another show. Oh. <laughs> um. So. The other one, and I feel like he makes this week every week, makes this list every week, and I know y'all like him, but Sam Pittman. I got to bring Sam Pittman in. Everybody's going to give him praise for Arkansas playing Alabama close, but it's the first half. It's fourth and one at the 34. Alabama's up 20, 21 to six. The game's getting away. Sam Pittman runs the clock down and then calls a timeout only to punt the ball. And I'm... <laughs> yes, like it's yeah, Alabama... You know, you got you got to play field position with Alabama because, you know, we're two evenly matched teams here. No, you're not. You've got to go for points and possessions against Alabama. Yeah, that's almost the flip side of, of the dad landing critique. Uh, Arkansas was obviously the inferior opponent down there, heavy underdog. You got to have a sense of where your team is, where it stands and what the what's going on in the game. I didn't think Sam Pittman did very well in that game. I don't think Sam Pittman's doing well this season. I think Sam Pittman is coaching himself into trouble. He gained a lot of favorable attention, as he should have, for ending a Vanderbilt-like losing streak when he arrived at Arkansas. It lost 20-something straight SEC games, kind of turned it around. But what has he done lately? The program's headed in the wrong direction, and I think the team is better than what its record is. All right, Caleb, what else you got? All right, so a couple more. Uh, Lance Leopold, who I actually think is a good coach at Kansas, but I had to drop a football IQ one on him. I Here's here's my biggest pet peeve, and coaches still do it, and it's next-level stupid. When you burn a timeout late in the game to talk about a fourth-down play, no one you're going to need that timeout if you don't get it. It's so dumb, and they do it all the time. I don't know how coaches don't know math. But this is peak. This is peak evidence of how coaches. It's it's the most consistently stupid mistake. So Kansas gets a nine yard completion down thirty six to thirty two to Oklahoma State. 
brings up a fourth and one. And Lance Leipold takes a timeout to talk about a fourth and one play. You should already have the fourth and one play prepared. You should already have it ready to go. And they don't get it. And by the time they get the ball back, there's 15 seconds left instead of a minute left because of that. You can't go through watching a football Saturday without seeing that happen. And coaches always tell us, you know, we've got a special, we've got to play for every situation. We got a two-point conversion play. I remember last year when LSU beat Alabama and went for the two. Brian Kelly talked about we had this play. We thought it might work. Prepared for it. You're you're prepared for fourth and one against any defense. You've got to play. It's almost like, oops, I oh man, I forgot about that play we had. It yeah, happens. Exactly. It happens again and again. I don't get it either. I don't know how you don't have a fourth down call and a two-point conversion, maybe two or three of them, ready to go at all times in case you need it. It should be in your your back pocket. Put it on that clipboard that you lean on. It shouldn't be difficult. The call should be made immediately. Uh, What else you got, Caleb? All right, and here's the final one. And I've been all over the place on not going forward or going forward, but I had to drop a football IQ one to Deion Sanders. Because you don't blow a 29 to nothing lead unless you make some coaching blunders. And the key coaching blunder is at the opening drive of the first half or second half, excuse me. They go down to the Colorado or to the, excuse me, to the Sanford 45. They're still up 29 to nothing. And they bring up a fourth and two. It's fourth and two. Now, 95% of the time, I do believe you go for it in that situation. I don't believe in punting. But the 5% is when you're up 29 to nothing. And you don't want to give the other team any momentum whatsoever. And in, and he goes for it on fourth and two. And he has Shador Sanders in a five, deep back and shotgun do a five-step drop. He has white. He doesn't have a blocker to pick up the blitz. So Shador Sanders gets sacked. And that totally changes the game. I have no problem with him going forward on the second fourth down that they didn't get later in the game because that's flow of the game, the game slipping away. But this fourth down, where you know if you punt it, Stanford's down 29 to nothing and they're going to have to go to the length of the field just to make it a three-score game. It was just so stupid to go for it in that situation. I I believe what Deion Sanders was thinking. I think he'd, he'd uh, pulled off his thinking cap. And uh, <laughs> just, and he was, they were, I, I only saw the first half. So uh, the, Colorado was beating Stanford to such a degree. I don't think they, the game was over in Dion's mind. Yeah, let's just let's see how many points we can score here. I don't, I just don't think he had any idea that Stanford could come back. Now he does. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and the other point of this, and I just want to point on the message board, is also leaving Travis Hunter on so many plays on the field, and then being shocked when he's just back off injury, and that he's not like he's not going to get burned on defense when you're doing that. Of course he is. Yeah. Now, now one, Travis points out real quick that uh, I want to address. Absolutely hate the fact on third and 15, we call a run play. Hasn't worked yet. Almost did against A&M. Still didn't work. Uh, it, it almost worked. I don't think at that point you're even trying. This speaks to Joe Milton. I don't think you're trying to convert. I think you're trying to play a field position game. And Josh Heupel, John, that's not his nature. So he had to wince a little bit when he had to call that play. Well, let's face it. We talked about a lot this a lot already. But Joe Heupel is having to scheme around Joe Milton. Josh Heupel. He's having to scheme around depleted receiving core. And I, you know, I get 
emails criticizing Josh Heupel for his play calling. Well, you got to understand, he's caught. This is not the typical Josh Heupel offense. He's not calling plays for the team he had last season. He's calling plays for this one. He's trying to work around his deficiencies, and that can be very challenging at times. For John Adams, each and every Tuesday, all you have to do is click like and subscribe. Be sure and subscribe. We want to make sure that you get the notifications. We got the Vol Report with Cooper Mays, the Vol Report with Jacob Warren coming out today. Also, we'll visit with Fred White later today. So a lot going on. You're going to miss it if you're not subscribed. So click on the subscribe button. If you're on one of our audio platforms, please leave us a review. We greatly appreciate that. Coming up, we'll uh, visit with Blake Topmeyer of the uh, Gannett News Service, who John knows as well. And uh, so we've got a lot going on. Anything I should ask Blake to try to stump him, John? Uh, you might ask him about his new koi pond. Well, what though? Uh, how could I ask around it and be very koi myself? Uh huh. Uh, like that. Yeah, see, I, how about this? Or was I just Blake, fishing I, for a good joke? Let, let's let's kill that one, Dave. How about how about if you say? Uh, Blake, I heard you had a koi fish that was almost, uh, it's almost Cam Newton-like. Tell us about that. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, John. Have a great day, sir. I appreciate it. Take care, guys. John Adams of the Knoxville News Sentinel. More to come, including Blake Topmeyer. And uh, we'll get into the Brock Bauer discussion just a, a little bit more. How much does that open the SEC East? And Josh Heupel, can he beat... Alabama with defense and a very conservative offensive scheme like he did against AM. I tend to think not, but we shall see. Two minutes back with you. He's Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker off the Oak Sports. Got cataracts. We can fix that. Never miss another moment. With a little help from Drs. Campbell, Cunningham, Taylor, and Hahn at cctis.com. Hi, I'm Rick Terry, and we at Rick Terry Jewelry Designs pride ourselves in the highest quality craftsmanship from a family-owned business here in Knoxville for over 35 years. At Rick Terry Jewelry Designs, we also take pride in being an affordable option for all your game day accessories, especially those fire opals. At Rick Terry Jewelry Designs, we want to be your jeweler every day and especially on game day. Go Vols! Hi, Mike Davis here with City Heating and Air, reminding you to always dare to compare. Our team provides quality local heating and air service, installation, and maintenance across East Tennessee. We use only the best equipment like American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning for your residential, new construction, or commercial needs. Honesty, dependability, and customer satisfaction have been the cornerstones of our business since 1961. City Heat and Air. These mountains hold and defend a spirit far better than moonshine a drink that holds flavor that becomes necessity a hard cider made and relished by folk who are as hearty as they are legend a refreshment that can only be found in one place with a taste that makes you say give me three bottles of the good stuff tennessee cider company where necessity can be found 
Who's this guy? Hello, wizard. The Dave Hooker Show. Ooh. A presentation of Off the Hook Sports. What? YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the free Off the Hook Sports app. Back to Dave Hooker. All righty, here we go. Back and asking you on the message board who has the biggest impact in the second half of the season for Tennessee. We had some votes for James Pierce. We had some uh, votes for Joe Milton in a negative uh, fashion. Uh, who else did we have votes for earlier on the program? Well, we Kill. mentioned D. Williams, Cooper Mays. Um, and it kind of has to be up, Cooper Mays now that I look at it. it you know, we said we, he we forgot the, one key player, though, which was Aaron Beasley. Oh, we did leave out Aaron Beasley. We got to give him a shout out, too. And that's hard for me, guys, as y'all know. Couldn't we say Kamal Haddon, though? Because, I mean, Haddon, if he is not ready to go, um, who does Tennessee go to next? And he's had his struggles, but he's playing really well at this point. Kamal Haddon is definitely there. Now, Kamal Haddon is no Alante Taylor, who was a shutdown corner without needing a pass rush two years ago for Tennessee. And if Tennessee has Alante Taylor last year, plus, you know, I mean, they probably beat South Carolina. I will say that. But er, Kamal Haddon has been an incredible turnaround player. And people don't like us talking, but Dave, come on. You always want at least one of your cornerbacks to have a little talk, a little moxie to do a little trash talking to get in players' heads, don't you? That's kind of the nature of, of good cornerbacks throughout history. I'm all for trash talking. I've got no problem with that. Um, I know you just got to play the game. Play. Just shut up and play the game. <laughs> no, I absolutely love some uh, trash talking. I got no problem with that. And there seems to be a, oh, Gabe Judy Lolly uh, gets, gets a vote as far as uh, those players that Tennessee couldn't do without or could affect the second half of the season. Does he affect the second half of the season? I don't know. But I will tell you this about Gabe Judy Lawley. And guys, I told you this in the summer. His selflessness about, hey, I don't care if I'm a starter. I don't care if I'm a safety. I don't care if I'm a corner. I just want to help this uh, Tennessee team win. How many times, Caleb, do transfers say that? Usually it's about getting me, me, me to the next level. It's not about the team. I just thought those quotes spoke uh, very strongly about Gabe Judy Lolly, who had an interception against AM. Really like his play, really like a lot about him. We're going to go with Blake Topmeyer now, who joins us. He is the SEC columnist for USA Today and the Gannett News Service. Blake, we appreciate the time. How are you, sir? I'm doing well, you guys. Never better. You wrote a uh, column about Tennessee beating a Texas A&M with a, a, a very different approach than they had last year. And that was a defensive type of game plan, uh, ball control. Seems weird even saying that with Josh Heupel, but uh, they did do that against Texas A&M. Can they do that against Alabama? I don't think so. Not to that extent. Um, if you look at the, the last eight games, Nick Saban has lost at Alabama dating to 2018. Uh, in those games, Alabama allowed an average of 41 points to their opponents. And uh, obviously, uh, Tennessee's 52-49 victory uh, last year factored into that. So historically, if you want to beat Nick Saban in Alabama, you need to do it by piling up some points. You need to do it uh, with good quarterback play. There's not many uh, times Nick Saban has lost over the years um, to an opponent who had a quarterback who didn't play very well. 
Um, you know, if we think maybe back early in Nick Saban's dynasty, um, you know, a loss or two to LSU that were kind of those low scoring grudge matches. Sure. Those come to mind. But like I said, here in the last five, six years, if you want to beat Bama, you got to be scoring. Yes. I remember that nine to six Alabama LSU number one versus number two matchup. And I jokingly always question Les Miles' intellect because he voted, he was in the coaches bowl and voted for the rematch with Alabama in the sugar bowl. I'm like, there's no way I'm voting for that rematch if I'm Les Miles. <laughs> I mean, I cannot believe he did that, but um, yeah, he, uh, Blake, this is going to be the craziest thing I'm going to say. Cause the storyline all last year, all the all off season was Alabama going back to more ball control. But right now, right now, who's a more ball control team? Yeah, I think it's Alabama. I, I think Tennessee has more of the game manager style quarterback that a lot of us had in mind when we heard Alabama going to play like retro ball, bully ball, vintage Saban ball, Saban dynasty, uh, early, early days ball. Like we, we had in mind that like Greg McElroy, Greg <laughs> game manager type of quarterback. And I'm not equating Joe Milton to Greg McElroy, but I am saying that like of the two, quarterbacks, I think, I think Milton is more the game manager sort. I mean, with what Alabama's doing uh, with Jalen Milrow for better or worse is um, they're firing deep shot after deep shot after deep shot um, because that's what Jalen Milrow does, right? Um, they're letting him run it a little bit. Uh, they are getting Jace McClellan involved. He's, he's been running it a little bit better lately, um, but largely their offense, and we saw this especially against Texas A&M, was fire it deep, and if that doesn't work, fire it deep again. Um, I think Alabama's taking the shots because they feel like they have to take the shots. I don't know if this is the way they expected necessarily to have to play. Um, and with with Tennessee, it, they're they're built around their run game, and uh, it, it does feel like you know more of a ball control game manager type of style. What do you think of Jalen Milrow at this point? I know it was really herky-jerky the way they found him. I know that he had, I think, uh, I'll have to look it up, but I think it was 28 turnovers in a game last year. Um, but when you look at, at him, Blake, um, do you feel like Alabama has found their quarterback and that his upside is pretty good, or do you think they're just kind of biding time until somebody else emerges, maybe even next year, maybe a freshman, whatever, um, do you like Milrose up uh, upside? Uh, I, I like it better than anybody else that they have. I'll, I'll say that. Like there, there's no one, there's no one better lurking in the shadows on this team. Um, we saw that in the South Florida game. Uh, I'm not going to say that that was like intentional Nick Saban genius type of thing. Like sometimes we we sort of kind of box ourselves into a corner in an attempt to describe everything he does as genius like they, they made a change for whatever reason after losing to texas i think they wanted to see if they had something better uh, and and that game against usf proved they didn't like ty simpson's not better um tyler buckner i don't even know why we needed to see it if you watch notre dame the last couple of years you know tyler buckner wasn't better but we saw it against south florida he, he's the best they have and he does do um a number of things pretty well like he, he throws an elite deep ball. Um, like if there's one thing I think he does better than Bryce Young, it's throw the deep ball. I, I mean, Bryce Young was fine throwing it deep, but that, that wasn't really like Bryce Young's calling card. 
Um, so he, he does have that. He has the breakaway speed. Mm-hmm. You know, Bryce was really nimble in the pocket, made, made just brilliant plays on the move. Um, you know, he's kind of a magic man back there. Milrow's not like that. He's not going to, you know, move around in the pocket as much. But if he wants to break it and go, I mean, he's, he's got better straight line speed. Um, than almost any quarterback in the country, probably. So he, he does some things really well. Um, I thought he maybe was settling in based on the way he played against Texas A&M. Like, you take away one bad interception in that game, which I know you probably shouldn't take that away. That that did happen, right? It could have been costly. It wasn't. But aside from that one play, I thought he played very, very well uh, in that win against Texas A&M. And then I thought he played well in the first half uh, against Arkansas on Saturday. He didn't do much in the second half, and that's part of the reason why Arkansas was able to get back in that game. Um, but I think that's sort of going to happen when you have a quarterback um, who, who so much of their skill set is based around throwing it deep. Like, they're going to have a, a half where they disappear because they're maybe not dialing up as many deep shots or not hitting as many deep shots. But, yeah, he's the best quarterback Alabama has. Whether that changes you know, next year, I, I don't know. But he, he's the guy for the rest of the way this year. Blake, are we seeing – this is a weird thing to say, but are we seeing Jalen Miller just get better before our eyes? And I mean that in a – I mean better to the point where he can go from being just a game manager to actually being a guy that wins you games. I mean, they're – you know, from last year's Texas A&M game where I, I'm, I admit I wrote him off immediately because that's one of the worst quarterbacks games I've ever seen by a quarterback in SEC football history – and then struggling against Texas in the fourth quarter this year, it seems like after he came back off the bench, they figured out exactly how to use him. And I mean, I mean, are we seeing like maybe next year all SEC potential if he keeps getting better the way he has been? Yeah, I don't know about all SEC, and and I would uh, submit a, a number of, of Tennessee performances from 2017 to 2020 for that list of worst quarterbacking performances in SEC history uh, over a four year span. There, they might claim all all the top ten spots um, from the Jarrett Garantano. Uh, and others era. Um, <laughs> but I digress. Um, you know, I think you're right with, with uh, Milro getting better before our eyes. I think the, I think the misconception after the A&M game, and, and I may have fallen into this trap too, was assuming he had it all figured out. Like after watching him um, really be a, a driving force to Alabama winning that game on the road, it was really Jalen Milro, Jermaine Burton, and Alabama's defensive line were the were the three things they had going for them in that game. Um, so, you know, I think the the tendency was to think, well, Milrow's got it figured out. He's, you know, stardom is here. I don't think it's going to be like that that straight line trajectory. I think it's it's going to be a little up and down. Um, but I do think it's going to be like that two step forward, one step backward type of progression from this point with him now. Like he is getting better. He is improving. There might be moments where it doesn't look like it, but, um, you know, I, I think he's a, a undeniably better quarterback now than he was in week two against Texas. You know, there, there was a time where this guy, um, I think he, he struggled to read the field. Um, in, in Alabama's OC, Tommy Reese, I don't think was helping him early in the season either. They weren't doing much to design run with him, which is criminal if you're the offensive coordinator, not incorporating some designed run when Jalen Milrow is your quarterback. And they weren't taking enough deep shots. Now, if James Franklin were here, he would tell us that you can't design play calls where the play is chuck it deep, right? I think the, the, the rest of us think like, oh, yes, you can. 
call up some plays where you put your your quarterback in position to, to throw it deep. And to Tommy Reese's credit, um, there has been a noticeable shift in that approach since the Texas game. I don't know if Alabama would admit it, but if you just believe what you see with your, with your eyes, like I think they are positioning Milrow to do some of the things he does best more often. They're letting him, you know, let it rip back there. Uh, and and some guys have, have made plays at the wide receiver spots. Blake Topmeyer, SEC columnist for Gannett News Services. Uh, Blake, we were kicking this around earlier, getting back to Tennessee for a second. The player that will have the biggest impact, and it can be a positive or a negative in the second half of the season for Tennessee. Uh, we talked about Cooper Mays. Of course, Tennessee looks like a different team with him in there. James Pierce looks like an elite edge rusher. Or it could even be Joe Milton will have a negative impact. Who has the biggest impact, pro or con, for the Vols the remainder of this season, you think? Um, I guess if I could could cheat, I would, I would say a combination of, of Pierce and Tyler uh, Barron. I think uh, that the defensive line, the edge rushers, have to remain disruptive for Tennessee, for their, their defense to, to continue performing. The way it has been, and, and those guys have been um, integral to, to those efforts. I mean, I, I was it, it, on my list of concerns for Tennessee coming into the season. I thought pass rush and defensive line. You know, they, I don't know if they ranked number one on my list, but they were on the list. Like when we think back to last year, uh, they had a pretty good pass rush last season that was instrumental uh, in victories over LSU, over Clemson, um, over Kentucky. And a guy in the middle of all that was Byron Young. So they lose their best pass rusher off of last season. And I thought, okay, how, how are they going to rally past that? And now you look at it this year, their pass rush this year is um, undeniably and, and demonstrably better than what it was last season. And in, in a large part, that's a credit uh, to James Pierce and, and Tyler Barron. I think those guys have to continue to play well. When you get uh, disruption up front, it makes your whole defense play better. And I'm not saying that the secondary isn't better this year than last year. I think they are. I think it's an improved group. Um, but I think so much of that is tied in to what those guys are doing up front. If that stops, you know, Tennessee's, Tennessee's defense could regress, and they can't afford for it to regress with what's going on offensively right now. They, they have to um, remain this, this improved defense like we've seen this year. And we saw, you know, in flashes last year, the defense had some good games, but they weren't consistent. They disappear against some of the better quarterbacks, some of the better opponents. Um, but that defense has been pretty steady this year, and I, I credit those two guys I mentioned, Pierce and Barron. they got to keep it up. Blake, great stuff as always. Do you have an early feel for this Tennessee-Alabama game? Yeah, I guess, um, you know, inside Bryant-Denny, an Alabama team that you would think would be hell bent on, on revenge. And when I combine uh, the uncertainty of Tennessee's offense, I think I like Alabama to win a close one. I just don't, um, I don't, I, I, I don't know that you can beat Alabama 21, 17. Um, Alabama is not, their offense is not as good as it's been the last several years with Tua, uh, with Mac Jones, with, with Bryce Young, they've had offensive regression too. Um, however, I do think if, if you want to beat Alabama this year, it probably needs to look a little something like Texas, a 34-24 type of game. Um, based on what we saw Saturday, Tennessee may need to win with its defense, may need to win in the 20s, and 
Uh, I don't know that you can do that inside Brian Denny. I think Tennessee's defense has to set up a score, either score themselves or they need a strip sack deep in Alabama territory. I think there has to be a defensive play that leads to seven for, for Tennessee. Blake, great stuff as always. How do we follow your work? Yeah, you can find me throughout the USA Today network there in Knoxville. You can find me at knoxnews.com. They always do a great job promoting my work. Uh, and I'm on X at B. Topmeyer. X, you made the move. You're the first person that said X, formerly Twitter. I like that, Blake. You're. A I think this is the first man. time. I think this is the first time I've I've done that. I guess for some reason I decided now is the time. <laughs> I was wondering when I was going to do that myself just over the weekend. Blake, great stuff, buddy. Have a great day. Okay, sounds good. Thanks, guys. He's How Blake Talkmeyer. I'm Dave Hooker. Let's talk some Tennessee basketball. Tennessee basketball ranked and ranked pretty high. What do you think of the basketball balls and the respect they got up? They got right out of the shoot, uh, Caleb, as uh, Tennessee's ranking top 10 in both polls. Well, I've talked for a while about the renaissance in college football where it comes to basically player teams being more defensive oriented the last couple of years. I and mean, it's all the talk that, Oh, it's becoming more offense and defense is a thing. And now you're seeing defense play a much bigger role in college football, not just in Tennessee. There's a renaissance in college basketball too, Dave in the era of one and dones, And you know, this, the rankings were solely based on you. you it was basically whatever the two, four, seven sports recruiting rankings was, where we're going to be reflected in the AP poll. Wasn't it in the mm -hmm. era of one and done basketball? That's not a thing right now. And you're seeing that specifically with Tennessee. Tennessee lost Olivier Kumwa to transfer. They lost Julian Phillips to transfer. Now, they added three transfers, none of whom were four or five stars you would consider on 247 Sports Composite, but they're top 10 because they have Santiago Vescovi and Josiah Jordan-James back. So this is solely about belief in Rick Barnes' development and experience of players coming back, which is why they're top 10. They're number nine in the AP poll, number 10 in the coaches. And just for context, guys, Florida Atlantic is top 10. Now, I know they went all the way to the national title game last year, but typically college, college basketball rankings aren't going to put you in the top 10. They're not going to base anything on what you did last year. They're going to solely base it on recruiting. They're basing it off experience, and I think they're starting to realize in this age of NIL with the renaissance that it's happening that I'm talking about, college basketball players are realizing there's more value if there are good players staying for a year in college rather than going to the NBA and maybe not even being drafted where it's so selective, more so than even the NFL. Needs to be a balance. There just needs to be a balance of guys that have been around that want to win for the program and maybe a guy who steps in and says, this was my best NIL deal. Now you hope to win him over and that he wants to win for the fans and the fan support that you get at a place like Tennessee or some of the other high-level basketball programs. But there has to be some sort of balance. And I think Tennessee has the – I don't want to call it senior leadership, but the the – upperclassmen leadership to, to guide some transfers into a very good season. And I wouldn't want to be Kentucky because they've only won one championship. Uh, uh, Calipari has under his system. That includes his time at Memphis, because I just don't know that they, they love Kentucky. And then the offset of that is, I don't know that they gel as quickly when you have to change over your roster each and every year. But I also don't know necessarily that I want to be the team that just completely relies on high school recruiting. There has to be a balance. Talk about your balance. Your balance will go higher. 
at Zen Sports, the new sports book in Tennessee, revolutionizing the way you earn sports betting rewards. That means no more deposit bonuses that turn into deposit nightmares. On Zen Sports, what you see is what you get. And with our cash rewards program, you get a lot of cash. For a welcome bonus, earn an unlimited 5% cash back on your betting volume for your first 15 days when you sign up with promo code HOOKED. That's HOOKED. Unlimited 5% cash back. Keep betting, keep earning with up to 3% cash back on your betting volume every month after that. And refer friends to earn a percentage of their betting volume as cash rewards too. Zen Sports bringing the cash back to Tennessee. So if you bet big on sports, you want to be betting on Zen Sports. Zen Sports betting just got better. Download that app. Use the promo code HOOKED. And remember to support our sponsors. They're right below. That's why we're here. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-889-9789. Must be 21 and over and in Tennessee to bet. So if I give you these choices, tournament team, Sweet 16, Final Four. And at this point, it's very, very early, Caleb. Where would you have the balls? Sweet 16. Now, that is that is with the knowledge and the caveat that we know Rick Barnes underachieves in the tournament. But I think Rick Barnes is having his own reformation, which you don't usually have it. I mean, how old is he? 66, 68, something like that? Seven, I believe. Okay, so I was in between. So 67. People usually don't change their philosophies at 67. And I think Rick Barnes is changing his philosophy. The the changes that he got, now he still instinctually can't help himself. He said last week, we're deeper than we've ever been on the perimeter since I've been here, but the defense is not where it needs to be. He still loves that defense. He still loves that mid-range, but he constructed his personnel based on an inside-out game where you can hit, you got a lot of options from three. And I did not see that coming from Rick Barnes during this time, you know, at, at this stage in his career. I mean, it's it's very much it's very much Nick Saban embracing the spread offense when he was 65, you know, which he did. Nick Saban had already had an established career and said, I'm gonna do this. Great point. Great yeah, point. And, and and actually he's 69. I'm sorry, go ahead. He's 69. Okay, so Barnes is pushing 70. And so who at 70 is able to do is willing to do that. And I, I, cause a lot of our criticisms of Barnes day for years has been good basketball coach, but thoroughly stubborn in what he believes in and absolutely refuses to believe that the game is different. And look what he's doing right now. The, the, at least the way he's constructed his personnel suggests he knows the game is different. Now he was never like Nick Saban. He never fought for rules changes or opposed rules changes to make the game different. He just kept coaching his style, even when the rules changed. And so I'm thinking, well, maybe he knows the flow of college basketball. Maybe he finally realizes, oh, I can't fully rely on the mid-range because, I mean, he has been so reliant on the mid-range for so long, and it's been costly for Tennessee. Yep. The Hemp House, the premier hemp dispensary online with a wide variety, great selection, and strict standards to ensure you only receive the best in CBD or Delta products. Go to Hemp House Chat. That's with two Ts. HempHouseChat.com, and you'll be taken care of. They've got the Big Orange Crunch. Let me pull that up. Check this out. The Big Orange Crunch is right here. You'll absolutely love it. And don't forget to use that uh, promo code hooked. Anything else on uh, hoops, Caleb, from you, sir? Yeah, and here's the real standout. Uh, Dave, Tennessee is the highest-ranked SEC team. Arkansas second. Tennessee is right now going to be favored to win the SEC in basketball, which they're usually the top three or four with Kentucky, Alabama, or whatever, or Arkansas. They're going to be the favorites to win the SEC. Who saw that coming? 
I did not. He's Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker with you weekdays at 10 a.m. Please take a second, hit the subscribe button. If you're new to the program, we greatly appreciate that. Weekdays, 10 a.m. and wherever you stream. So give us, if you like the show, we'd appreciate a review. We appreciate having the notifications on is the big one because what I've started doing lately, which you may not know about, is for those that of you that are on an audio-only platform, I've been dropping our Celebrate 98 series on uh, the various audio-only channels. So we would love for you to hear that. We've already got Dwayne Goodrich up, and we'll have more as we go along. So for Caleb Calhoun, I'm Dave Hooker. This has been a presentation of Off the Hook Sports. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anytime anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses so join me in the fun sign up now at chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary btw void were prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus with the lucky land slots you can get lucky just about anywhere this is your captain speaking uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky no no nothing like that it's just these cash prizes add up quick so i suggest you sit back keep your tray table upright and start getting lucky play for free at luckylandslots.com are you feeling lucky no purchase necessary void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply see website for details